Welcome to the fifth episode of my podcast, European Legends and Folklore. Today we are going to talk about a real werewolf. Yeah, you hear me right. A werewolf. So, in St. Michael's Gestel, there was a farmhand who could change into a wolf by wearing a werewolf belt. He then became a wolf and started to attack people. Like a woman could change into a witch, this man could change into a werewolf. You could recognize him by his eyebrows, which were connected. After the deed, he could be recognized because often part of the clothing of the victims was between his teeth. Here I tried to keep the original story as it was, short and not too many details. Almost like the first part of the story is a part of the ending and things got mixed up a bit. Before the werewolf went hunting, he would wear his belt. The belt gave him the ability to shape change. In the village, this farmhand was notorious because he abducted the girl. Finally, they could catch him and break the spell. The farmer found the belt of his farmhand in his sleeping quarters. He then sent him far away so he could burn the belt in the hope that everything would be solved. But when he threw the belt into the fire, from nothing the farmhand was suddenly there, furious. The farmer had to hold him very firmly because otherwise the farmhand would have jumped in the fire too. But the werewolf belt had disappeared in the flames and from that moment the spell was broken. So, this is an old story from the village of St. Michelsgestel. It's a well-kept story. It's not a well-known story, but it probably dates from somewhere in the Middle Ages. Interesting fact or facts is that it's quite different from werewolf stories from our movies. But this story is quite in line with other medieval werewolf stories, as we will see when I continue this podcast. What also took my attention is that this story is more about somebody telling about a story he heard. This is not the original full story, but we'll have to do with this one. First I'm going to talk about the village, next we are going to discuss medieval werewolves in general and then this specific werewolf and, and um, this kind of stories in general. So let's first talk about the village of St. Michelskestel. From all documents is known that the village is from the 10th century. Findings done by archaeologists show that there was a wooden church which was replaced in the 11th century by a Roman stone church which was replaced in the 15th century by the current stone Gothic church. After the church collapsed partly, it was repaired in 1836. So, for sure, the village is medieval. And before I researched this, I already thought so, just because of the name referencing to St. Michael. So, a werewolf story. So, a werewolf story which looks a lot like werewolf stories from the Middle Ages in a village which arose in the Middle Ages is quite possible. Let's start talking about medieval werewolves. In modern literature, werewolves emerge in the 30s of the last century. These werewolves are different from the medieval werewolves. Not only the lycopentry story, the silver bullets, the moon, everything. Medieval werewolves often have a belt. 
that's the magical item which induces the transformation. So medieval werewolves are different from the modern werewolves, where in modern werewolves it's kind of a disease named uh, uh, lycanthropy. The medieval werewolf has a pact with the devil and the werewolf belt is the trigger for becoming a werewolf. Modern werewolves are triggered by the moon and are often involuntary werewolves. To destroy the medieval werewolf you burn his werewolf belt. Easy which destroys the spell and turns the werewolf back into a normal, law-abiding citizen. Hitting the medieval werewolf with silver bullets would be awkward, especially because in the Middle Ages there were no guns. Maybe silver arrows could do the trick, but nobody came up with that. So, but had werewolves a pact with the devil? The early medieval werewolves can be linked to old totemic beliefs, old pagan beliefs. The werewolf was often a sympathetic figure in medieval fiction and in later folklore. This changed in 1484 when the church revised its position towards pagan beliefs. It was then officially forbidden to believe in the pagan superstition. Werewolves were in league with Satan as a category of witches. In all trials, both against witches and werewolves, an ointment was mentioned of known origins. Hexasalf, they call it in Dutch. Witch's ointment. In 1451, the Bishop of Avila suggested that the resulting hallucinations accounted for stories of witches' sabbats. In 1545, the Pope's physicians first tested this idea and modern findings confirm that the hallucinogenic in Ingredients of the ointment produce sensations of flying like witches or being furry like werewolves. There are also scientists who believe that a grain fungus epidemic in Europe caused bread contamination which led to mass hallucinations. But how do we check that out? So, we have the official werewolves from medieval fictional literature and folklore and the prosecuted werewolves. Prosecuted werewolves could be normal men who were on the wrong time and place. Criminals or some kind of outcast of society who got the blame of bad things or just this neighbor with, with the strange eyebrows. He's a werewolf. The werewolves from legends and folklore are found worldwide in almost any culture and are estimated over a thousand years old. So we are looking at a very old phenomena. It's not only the changing of a man into a wolf, but in different stories men can change in any kind of animal. The word werewolf, which translates as man-wolf, is of Anglo-Saxon origin and can be traced back to at least the 11th century. Other names like loop-garou, shapeshifter or lycanthrope are of a later date, although the last one I want to discuss later. The Roman poet Virgil mentions in a poem in 39 before Christ a man who changes into a wolf after eating herbs. In another tale, Lycan, hey, sounds familiar, Lycan, the king of Arcadia, is punished with bestial transformations by the god Jove after the king tried to test the god by feeding him a meal of cooked human flesh. Nice guy. I suppose the word lycanthropy comes from this king lycan. It's 
it's too well it's it would be very strange the first four letters are the same come on message me when i'm wrong please in a third story from 55 after christ petronius sees an instance of lycanthropic change quite different from the other stories his host took off his clothing urinated in a circle around them and then transformed into a wolf which immediately bounded off to savage sheep in the countryside a servant then ran the marauding wolf through the neck with a pitchfork the next day petronius sees his host as a human with a wound, wound on his neck at the exact spot of the pitchfork. So, yeah, one on one is two. In many later stories, the werewolf is often recognized by his wounds in human form. This period, the late 14th century till Arthur and Gorgolon and the lay of the werewolf attributed to Marie de France and dated circa 1150 tell basically the same story of werewolves who are victims of circumstance. In the first, a king whose garden contains a sapling that can turn the person struck with it into a wolf, is tricked by his unfaithful wife into demonstrating its power on himself, after which she turns him out into the wild. In the other, a husband who confesses to his wife that his regular nighttime disappearances are due to feral transformations, finds one day that she has stolen his clothes, preventing him from changing back and forcing him to into the forests. In both stories, the wives have schemed all along to replace their husbands with new lovers. The unfortunate men are forced to live the lives of wolves, even though they retain their human consciousness and are wolves only in outward form. Ultimately, this curse proves their salvation for in each case they ingariate themselves with the king who domesticates them as guardians through their benevolent and intelligent actions the wolves reveal that they are more than animals and ulti ultimately are able to direct their keepers to the methods that allows them to be restored to human form whereupon their deceitful wives are either executed or exiled with their lovers the clear moral of these stories is that the truly virtuous can overcome the bestial, be it their own lupine form or the inhumane schemes of their fellow humans. A similar story can be found in Guillaume de Palerme, a Middle English poem that dates to 1350 and which tells of Alphonse, heir to the throne of Spain, who is bewitched by his evil stepmother and turned into a wolf. In wolf form, Alphonse performs many good and heroic deeds, including protecting the lovers William and Melior. William ultimately attains to the throne of Rome and Alphonse's good deeds allow him to return to human form. So, you feel the change. Yeah. Oh, well, literally, the change. I'm not going to change, but you feel the change in, in, in this 1484, it was when, when, when the Pope turned werewolves into evil beings you see in the older stories not not the stories that predate um, the birth of christianity but the, the the older medieval stories werewolves werewolves were good guys so that there was a change and you see especially in this later medieval stories the introduction of the werewolf belt and the werewolf being an evil guy 
who has a pact with the devil. So let's now look at the werewolf of St. Michael's Castle. Yeah, I, I want to keep it close at home. So I could not find any sources which confirm this story. No tales, no folklore, and no official document which mentions of a werewolf trial. I really started doubting in this story. Is this story really from St. Michael's Castle? This reminded me of a book I read many years ago about folkloristic, folkloristic stories of the city of Dordrecht. But in the book, a story was examined. And there were many stories examined, but I want to talk about one specific story. So, in this Dutch folklore, this story, which originated from Dordrecht, a farmer and his son want to go to the market to sell their sheep. But they don't want to pay taxes at the city gate. So they dress up the sheep in boys' clothing and take it through the gate without paying. Rings a bell? Ever heard this story before? The researcher then dives into European folklore and find, finds the same story, almost literally the same story, in many other places. Like Finland, Russia, Estonia. But also in other Dutch provinces like Groningen, Drenthe, Gelderland, North Holland. In legends and folklore ethnological studies, these kind of stories are called wonder stories, which best translate into traveling stories. Have you ever heard a joke? Did you know there's an analogy? There are English jokes in which the Irish are stupid, in Dutch jokes the Belgians are not the most smart, like in German and Russian jokes the Polish are the foolish ones. And when you look into these jokes, there are a lot of similarities. In fact, a lot of these jokes are almost the same. But that's not only the case with jokes. Jokes are also a kind of wonder stories. In the Bible book Genesis, okay, I'm going on... on uh, <sighs> Will I do this? Yeah, okay. So, in the Bible book Genesis, there is the story from Noah and his ark. Yeah, did you know that that story is not original? Okay. Almost the same story is in the Gilgamesh Epos, which predates the Bible text. And it, it's not one-on-one -on -one the same, but it's also a boat and all animals on the boat. So, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's the same story. Okay, it's quite logical when you hear a story and you want to tell it to other people, would it not be more interesting if the story was in your own region? Regional adaptation of stories is happening quite often. We see this in the jokes, we see this in the wonder stories, and yeah, we also see it in, uh, see it in religious texts. Like uh, there are more also texts with, with the birth of the Holy, uh, the Holy One. Yeah. Quite a lot of analogies, but I'm not going to dive into that subject here. I don't want to offend people, so. Suppose there was no werewolf in Michael's castle. Somebody in the Middle Ages heard this werewolf story and made a local adaptation. It would be quite interesting to get to the mother of this story and find out if there ever was a real werewolf. Or are werewolves the products of man's imaginations? Or are the werewolf stories even much, much older than we can imagine? 
imagine that these stories predate what we call the Grote Volksverhuizing. When in, in, in the early uh, Middle Ages, and while the more like the, the late Roman Empire, all the Avars and, and the Huns and all the people who came from Asia to Europe who spoke languages which were, were quite similar, maybe these stories also came with them. And are they much older? And, and then the adaptation is quite normal because it changed over generations. Nobody talked about where they lived 200 years ago. So think about it. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Uh, my next episode will be about the giants of the Low Countries like the giant of Antwerp and the giants of Dordrecht. Are they medieval fiction? Or were they, were they the real thing? So, see you next time.